0: Hello, I'm your host, Leonard Duncan. Welcome to a new episode of ATV Talk and Motorsports Podcast. Please join us every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We bring you interviews with industry professionals, live events, live news about the motorsports industry in every episode. Enjoy the show. Whether we are out riding with our friends and family or racing in extreme environments, We all need good tires. That's why I recommend GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Greenball Corp. Their products, which include XC Master, Mini Master, and Groundbuster 3, are what leading professionals in the ATV UTV industry are using. You can get your tires at GreenballTires.com or find them on Instagram as GBC Tires for further inquiry. Are you looking for the best suspension technology for your sport ATV? Look no further than Elka Suspension, the industry leader in sport ATV suspension technology. With championship wins in prestigious events such as the Dakar Rally, Score, Best in the Desert, ATV MX, Cross Country, and Works, Elka Suspension has established itself as the go to choice for athletes and enthusiasts alike. But they don't just stop at ATVs. They're constantly expanding into new markets, including UTVs, trucks, SUVs, pit bikes, snowmobiles, and more. Their commitment to innovation and quality means they're always looking to improve and adapt so you can enjoy a smooth ride wherever you go. Want to learn more about what Elka Suspension can do for you? Visit their website at elkasuspension.com or give them a call at 450-655-4855. They will always be happy to answer your questions and help you find the perfect suspension solution for your needs. Welcome to DBR Racing Products, the leader in 3D modeling and innovations. Since 2015, They have been revolutionizing the industry starting with their groundbreaking YFZ450R battery boxes but they didn't stop there they have continued to push the boundaries constantly improving their design with each new version in 2018 they introduced the game-changing Vortex EXO cage specifically designed to securely hold the Vortex ECU in a safe and sturdy location. This breakthrough innovation ensures your ECU stays protected even in the toughest racing conditions. At DBR, they understand that every detail matters. That's why they also offer an array of essential products to enhance your racing experience. Their spark plug hold downs keep your engine firing at peak performance while their LTR breather boxes ensure optimal ventilation for your machine. Their LT250 engine skid plates are a must-have for those seeking unmatched protection. Engineered to shield your engine from impacts and rough terrain, they provide the ultimate defense for your ATV. But that's not all. They've developed ProPEG mounts that allow you to use TRX450R NERF bars giving you greater control and maneuverability on the track. To explore their full range of innovative products and learn more about DBR Racing, visit their website at www.dbratv.com. You can also reach them directly at 507-828-1233. Their knowledgeable team is ready to assist you with any questions or inquiries. DVR Racing products where innovation meets performance. Unleash the power within you.
1: Four wheel drive and if the ATV out
0: there you go. There you go. All right. But you don't well, be- oh, go ahead. We're gonna rock and roll this thing. Um, we have two celebrities from Team Honda with us tonight uh, in studio: Mark Waxeldorfer and Mike Coe. Both of them were factory Honda riders. And um, we had an episode earlier last year. It was last summer, wasn't it? Yes. Um, there you go. With you guys, and my dad was was present. Um, dad's gonna sit this one out, but uh, thank you guys for stopping by and uh, spend some time with us. Mark, you gotta talk to me about this. That bitchin' truck you drove up in, how long have you had that? And, and where did the, is that a passion that you have, or is that just something that you do? Uh, something I saw at Nick's house, Nick Nicholson. And, uh, so I bought it from him. It was one of his toys. Well, that's a flash in the past back then, right? Yeah. So all full circle. Right, right. Full circle. Well, we were all, well, I was talking to, uh, Mike. He was graduating high school at El Capitan when my brother was coming in as a freshman. Um. So for us to have all been doing similar things. He knew of my dad, who was doing the 9110 motors at the time, mm-hmm. you know, in, in uh, Lakeside, El and you know, in the same area he were. I think there were about, what, three groups? We had, like, Barker,
1: Parker. Uh, Nicholson, and then Big Al. Big Al's, and Dixon, mm-hmm. you know. And, right. Uh, and you did. Yep. I was yep. telling Mark on the way over because well, we when Sam first started getting started, he had all the mechanical stuff and valve stuff, but he didn't have a boring bar. And I can remember coming over here numerous times with your dad, he would sleeve. And so well, saunders. we had Mickey Dunlop too up in Oregon. He had yeah. the Power All Power right. Man. Yeah. He was That wasn't power. early on, though. That was, after, well, Power All been in business a long time, I guess. Yeah,
0: it yeah. was, it's a start. It was the Kenny Harmon cams, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's 98 grind or something with the needle bearing on it. That was, that's a flash in the past because I haven't even heard Kenny Harmon in forever. They yeah. were, were top big on Volkswagen's the too. Mm-hmm. Volkswagen, I had a Kenny Harmon cam in one of my Volkswagens. Well, isn't that where most of these guys started was in some form of that? Of course. You know, Well, Dean Kirsten was the guy that did Three-Wheeler magazine. Well, he was VW magazine. He was Hot Dude Buggy VWs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And him and uh Dean Kirsten and Tom Chambers, yeah. who was the uh, editor at the time they're the ones that put the parker 400 together for us to start on the 250 three wheelers nice and prior to that when they first brought the 250 they brought three I believe three wheelers in the country and uh, Honda was going to ride the San Felipe whatever it was called in 250 300 or something took them 18 hours to get from Ensenada to San Felipe that first run (laughs) and Fred Wing seized his three-wheeler up and my dad went to the Baja race that year to spectate and he ended up picking Fred Wing up with his broken three-wheeler his 250 that I would have drooled over I stayed home that year and uh, so here's my dad monkeying with these 250 three-wheelers before I even knew they were in the country (laughs) (laughs) and uh, he's towing them around so that was kind of ironic or interesting I thought well that didn't answer the question about the truck so we're sitting here in studio and we're, we're looking at my dad's 29 and, and then you drive up in your truck. Um, dad did come out and visit for a little while. We'll post some of those pictures later, but um, it, it's just awesome. You've also ran into dad at one of the local car car shows, car, car shows and get togethers. Um, yes. One of these Wednesdays, we'll have them both together. Maybe you see what, mm. you know, parking down here if he goes again. Uh, I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. I know he had a little health scare not too long ago but he's getting over that and, and uh, you know other than losing a little weight and a little teeny bit of mobility he seems to be doing pretty good so yeah no I went to Nick's house and this Model A truck was sitting there and, and, uh, and I go well, that's pretty neat and he goes yeah well you want to drive it or whatever so I ended up having it for about three years cruising it mm-hmm. and uh, so I started paying the uh, registration on it you know just felt it was the thing to do and so then he you know He just ended up buying it from him, so it's quite an enjoyable, fun vehicle. That's awesome. You also do some restoration work at a museum, don't you? Yes, an airplane museum here in San Diego.
1: I've been there about 30 years now. Wow,
0: do you think any of the skills that you learned while you were racing three wheelers or developing what what is probably the modern day three wheeler stuff? Do you think any of the skills you learned doing that help you doing what you do today? No, none. Not really. Just other than painting things and you know freshening them up, and keeping them look nice. Um, but no, no fabrication skills or nothing. Like I that? think I had all that under my belt before I I got there. Really, yeah. I mean, you hone your skills always a little bit, but, uh, no, I was pretty much working on that from sixth grade forward, I think. That's pretty awesome stuff. You guys were, were talking before I hit record because I'm unable to work computers. Um, so we have a lot of before in the tape, um, about some of the stuff you guys did in Baja. Mike, what was so special about the last time you guys raced Baja? We didn't we, get hurt. <laughs> well, well that, yeah, that, we were talking That's about, a given.
1: He mentioned another woods racer named Tom Toke, which was, he was like the number one woods racer at the time. And, you know, I don't mean to... to uh, Downplay. downplay anything but when we did our first Woods race it was back at uh, Loretta Lands, and I think all the Team Honda riders did you know, finished ahead of Tom and he helped us with the setups and stuff like that what kind of tires we should run pressures and whatnot but I just think that uh, at the time, you know, the riders that rode for Honda were the best three-wheel riders in the country. How do you think
0: Honda went about knowing to pick the right guys? Probably
1: from results, you know, watching the race Solely? Solely. Yeah, I think Mark and Dean were the first riders. I mean, I think they were established as being the top riders at the time on the 90s and modified 110s and 180s that we raced. And I know that I, you know, learned from them as well. You know, I was kind of right behind them, picking up. And uh, it was the same thing. They were established, and I think a year or so later, I got on board with Honda. You And they could see that I could hang with these guys. Um, I think
0: my connection came through the local Honda dealership. I had to work up at the Honda dealership, and it uh, turned out my friends owned it. And uh, they introduced me to one of the sales reps at Honda, Spencer Sado. My, dad, my dad's mentioned that name. And uh, he's actually one of the guys that did the drawing on a napkin for the three-wheeler. And he was on a 10-year tour here. And uh, one day I was talking to him and he pulled out a picture out of his pocket when I was riding my little ATC 70 that I bought after a motocross race in Dehisa. And we were in Steel Canyon and I'm riding a little seventy three wheeler friend had and I go, oh, that's neat. So I went and bought one Monday. <laughs> and uh, and then anyway so Spencer he showed he says yeah we've been watching you for a long time I had no idea really." You know,
1: yeah so I think it was just an evolution of that they, they were keeping score on who they think could you know, ride these things uh, but yeah to get back to the, the thousand thing was it was in 1985 I mean Honda did real well once like Mark said when three-wheeler magazine Dean Kirsten got us involved with score um, initially the three-wheeler were the very last vehicle off the starting line. Uh, because we were an exhibition. Right. The first two races,
0: the uh, San Felipe 250 and Parker, Parker 400. Yeah. And uh, when I got to the finish line of the first California section on the Parker race, um, I was there like an hour and a half before the Honda people were there. They weren't expecting us for a long time and we exceeded all their time limits, you know, by a long shot. And you looking around well where's everybody at yeah well what do I do now right and uh, then they showed up and go we weren't expecting you you know well we had a
1: good ride you know uh, I think at this, during the same time before the team Honda expanded they had a, a few riders I was on a three-way magazine entry where raced sat in the 81 Bahama 1000 and also on the early Parker Four Hundred. and it was the same thing they weren't expecting me to finish that California route. was kind of ahead of them because then at that time Time. you had to go from to California load your machine up because the starting point for the, the Arizona loop was you know miles away.
0: It Did crazy. it hurt you on time for not for having to no, no, they,
1: they stopped it. You they had showed. your time after the you finished your loop and then started again once you took off on the other side. Oh nice. But again like, like Mark said, they were they kept their eyes out on you know finishes and who they felt were to you know, all cross country I mean there was... A lot of competition then. I mean, I remember seeing some of these races would take days to get through qualifying and stuff like that to get down to you know some final numbers to uh, you know make these key races and stuff. And uh, even the score races back then, you know, there'd be dozens of three wheelers in getting back to what you're saying, is initially we had to start dead last, but eventually we would end up passing a lot of those stop BWS. And, oh, we, and we went that.
0: right off the get go. Went right up to the different classes up yep. into the class. Tens and, uh, you know, the different buggies and uh, earned our way up to the front of the line to start up with the motorcycles. And
1: yeah. That was really How good. long
0: did it take before you guys could, did you guys ever get a chance to start in front of
1: the motorcycles? No, they never did that because at the time the motorcycles were still clearly, Bible's going to allude to that. My segue in was that in 1984, the race followed thousands, always in November, but by then we had 85s, which were, you know, pretty well evolved by then they finally had in the 84 Baja 1000 let's start behind the last motorcycle class which was still you know hundreds of bikes right. open bike pros you know Amateur, Inters, 250s old guys 125 250 yep. fifty five, five. so then the three wheelers could start and we ended up finishing fourth overall even ahead of the four wheel trucks and buggies at the time so and we, we passed every single bike except for four three actually three open 500cc bikes you passed everything else on wow the so that was, that was me and Mark and Money were on that ride so if, <laughs> if you look at today's three wheeler
0: where they're taking even if they take and build it a frame, build it a frame for it mm-hmm. and they're putting the modern day forks and suspension have, have you got to see many of those Mark no I haven't really watched any of the modern stuff but you've seen a little oh, bit yeah. of it right yeah. the just on YouTube and things and they don't seem like, you know, they go pretty good, but uh, they're still a little slow. I mean, the top end, you get up around 90, you know, 95 to 100 and that's about the limit on
1: the three-wheeler things. What was top speed for you guys? Do you remember? Well, it depends. I know, you know, at the end, we have started having better tires that were less prone to punctures. Mm-hmm. But like in the same thing in 84, we had the 84 tires, even though it was in 85, we would have any. But the, with speed, the tires would grow. It would kind of be like an elliptical gearing and, and really nothing. I, I'm sure we could get, you know, in the 90 mile an hour
0: race. And then we were doing free race testing down in Mexico one time, and then this Smart Acre guy comes up we're doing uh, radar testing on the pavements yeah. doing gearing yeah, and shedding yeah. and stuff and this guy named Mike Coe he comes out <laughs> and he, he puts a stock pipe on the thing <laughs> and it out mile per hour anything we have top in. And just that stock pipe worked excellent
1: for flat out stuff yeah, that was the turner stuff <laughs> that was the old stuff I know I'm just saying that was uh, they, they didn't want to believe it but we, we did that we did so much pre running on our bone stockers, and then we're like you said, we're, we're did you change of the silencer too, or just the we ended up with we, we modified the modified CR, CR silencers. silencers? Yeah, but um, the porting the pipes that was all good for short course racing. We needed really good quick acceleration, but it really seemed to hurt the over rev and high speed. So we, you know, smaller car cylinders, stock pipe, and that was the fastest. Thing. That's wow. why we ended up We wow. did the same thing in, in eighty-five the following year. My my last race for Honda was in eighty five we won with the boat stock. Wow. So far, it had a CR it. And it fun. seems always kind of interesting yeah, it's, too. Yeah. It's weird. Weird. We actually
0: used stock equipment, you know, and people all have all this aftermarket stuff right. and they think it's gonna help them. <laughs> and we'd say hey, you could race our bike, it doesn't matter. Yeah. We're still gonna beat you. Right. Awesome. Because the stock worked well, it really did. You know you just adjusted a little here and there and away you go and do you feel that that was mostly on the desert stuff where your stock stuff yeah, really um, I actually i qualify it is for the off road in the woods here in helmscremble so really that's pretty awesome stuff right there uh, you know Kind of deflates the aftermarket guys a little bit, but you know, we did uh, it has changed quite a bit since then with the technology and the things that oh, we've yeah. got to test. You know, the, the sure the new and things. Well, I mean the the, the evolution of right. what we do to the two stroke engines now with the way that we make the carb with the carburation and the exhaust and all mm-hmm. that. We make way more power and it's usable in that environment. Right. You know, and it's the difference between an on auto- off switch and usable the power too hugely hugely i mean you, you developed some stuff on your own um, listening to some of the conversations you were a pretty handy guy so you were developing some of the stuff to, to ride and use well a handy some, guy but we had people behind us too well yeah to but, us, so i mean i talked to you i remember the conversation we had last time and the handy guys behind you we're learning from you guys as much as that you were learning from them.
1: Yeah, yeah. Constant development, I mean, just like anything. You look right. at Even the short time it went from the 81s to the 86s, there was that's a significant evolution where right. know, the current quads that are out there really haven't evolved much since they came out with quads. Mm-hmm.
0: Not really. Yeah. I mean, disc brakes, fuel injection, yeah. you know.
1: And chassis-wise, suspension-wise. Still really similar, yeah. you know. Right. That's what I'm saying you look at from 81 to 86 that was in those five years that was a significant evolution of the 3 wheel. yes and I course. know it was evolving more than that because mm-hmm. those 200s they you know Honda didn't really want to overdevelop the market because you know, they had competition so they kind of just keep a little bit kind of sneaking a little bit out there at a time but like those outboards inboard swing arms I don't know if you ever saw any of
0: yes those. Uh, you showed me some pictures yeah right, so. that
1: was kind of probably beyond the next generation if they were going to be an 87 or an 88 3
0: yeah, we'll get in. We're going to get into that safety, uh, that article where we, you know, trash those guys. Cause I've done a bunch of research on the backside of it and people are getting sick and tired of me talking about it. And they want to, <laughs> they want to know what I found out, but we'll, 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 get to all that. Um, speaking of modern day stuff, you're in a, a kind of a connoisseur a little bit I want to use for automotive and stuff like that. The technology that you see today, where do you think Honda's yes they've won some championships this year but it's taken them so many years it seems like to catch back up to everybody what happened that's a good question I have no idea why or how I mean they were the king of the road for a long time it just things change you know Well, okay. being the young guy that I am, which I'm younger than you guys, no offense. But when my my picture of Honda is, hey, we can dominate everything. They step away for a number of years and they would come back and dominate again Mm -hmm. and go, why should we come back when we can still dominate? What happened to what do you think happened to that Honda? I don't have a
1: clue. It's hard to say if it's, you know, politics within Honda or, you know, if it's a financial thing that they looked at. Because like you said. there was a time when during the 80s when we were the ATC team they also were dominating flat track road racing motocross we we'll dominated everything but then it was sometime in the 90s or the 2000s where all the manufacturers seemed to pull back and then have a Makita or a Monster Energy to finance the program and the manufacturers pull back and I think sometime around next I think currently with the the motocross and supercross that's the first time since Ricky Carmichael or something 20, 25 years since Honda's won a supercross title
0: and not only did they win they won uh, what 20 straight races undefeated this year yeah. in the outdoor yeah in the outdoor
1: motocross the point was that yeah. now Honda does that effort it's not a, like a Geico Honda it's a factory it's a- HRC product, you know, right. program again and now they're also the only 250 is also a Honda. Pro HRC, where the other 250 classes so are still Rockstar, or Pro Center. Circuit or something like that. There's, that's right. the only one that's the factory sponsor, where again, back in the 80s, early 90s, the factories were behind it.
0: So, why don't you guys uh, elaborate on what a true factory sponsorship is so that? Everybody can understand that just because Yamaha gave you a discount, that doesn't mean you have a factory ride. No, that's a support ride. Yeah. Well, elaborate on your knowledge of what a factory ride is if you wouldn't mind well factory ride is 100% 24 hours a day you know whatever your contract term is lengthwise and you work for Honda and you represent Honda and you use their products that they you know all their products that they manufacture and make disagree or not it, you're a Honda guy you're a Honda guy yeah you, 24-7 you each sleep. Right. So, um, it's amazing the support and the things that they do. They, you know, send you to the gym, they work with your diet, um, you know, your apparel, um, different safety things. You know, they're behind the whole program. So, um, or they work with an aftermarket manufacturer, you know, to tailor stuff to their needs, which is kind of neat too. You how much do you think your life benefited by being involved with a factory program like that? Unbelievable. I mean, it was, it improved my life or or made my life, I think, a, a lot better. For sure. And uh, just the, not even the monetary part of it, but just the knowledge that you gain from the people and being around the racing scene and the, the engineers and stuff—it's it, uh, hard to replace stuff like that. It's it, it it is a level above. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, how they'll come up with ideas that. We had a sixth gear issue one time. Uh, our bikes wouldn't pull sixth gear in the sand washes. It so, uh So they get on the telephone and you get a part from Japan and you put it in, and now all of a sudden you got a close ratio sixth gear, and you're just going up the road like gangbusters. Or if you don't get enough pull shots, they'll change the ratio on the clutch basket or the primary drive. Primary drive. Yeah, don't know. Um, they had ways of changing. You know, I mean, they, they built it stuff so they have ways of changing stuff that uh, you know the guy at home in the garage might hit on a uh, you know positive deal but you know it's hard to beat the factory stuff so, because they'll put so many engineers just like our tires mm-hmm. I mean they've come out with a half a dozen people and 20 sets of tires and Ted you, uh, and
1: Matt Ted and Matt yeah Motsen Budweiser <laughs>
0: crazy Japanese guys they were fun to work with because you can't really talk to them for the translation you know differences or language differences but um, just through the testing learning how to test um Just things that you don't pick up on your own, you know. You might hear a little here, a little there, but when you're behind the closed doors you get a lot of knowledge. Well I'm going to get your opinion here in just a second, but I was talking, I had Ricky Johnson here and Ricky was elaborating on his first times with Honda, you know, and, and he compared it to Yamaha where they go test with a pipe and a cylinder, maybe two cylinders, you know, uh, they would do, A set of shocks and forks, you know, forks and shocks. And then with Honda, they rolled out XM number of pipes and cylinders and the suspension combinations. And We had a 50-cylinder test one time. They tested 50 different cylinders to see what the difference variations would be between the castings and the... Remember that, Mike? That was the year Paul Turner was doing part of that stuff. And... Basically, money isn't an object when you're on Honda. They do count their dollars, but, you know, it's whatever it takes to get to first place is what you do. And that's all they cared about is winning. Pretty much so. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's what they're there for. So sell bikes and, your you know, equipment and, uh win races right I didn't mean to make this all about Honda it, it just the conversation just manifested that direction yeah, it's so when you were with Honda mm-hmm. um, you got to ride with other manufacturers which I want you to elaborate on all of it if you wouldn't mind
1: well it's you know it leads, like what Mark says when I was with Honda it was factory Honda and again all the cubic dollars that they invested in the programs for, for everything was personnel support equipment um again unfortunately there became a time in the end of 1985 where the CPSC got involved and in even Honda said we're going to quit racing ATVs altogether. together another year and at that time I could tell that the you know, four wheel ATVs were the way to go so I did start racing those in about three more years um I was able to get a, like Mark said, a what they call a factory support ride from Suzuki for a year. Um, I never did any any testing or anything with Suzuki, but I did. I was able to get back with my primary sponsor, DZ Performance, and we did a lot of work on that. Suzuki to make it competitive which we did it was very competitive but it was again uh, the amount of effort and uh, Number of items to test from BG was very limited. Was Harry Clam still with them at that point, or yeah, he, he was moved on? His own by then, okay. Clam research by then. In fact, I used some some Harry stuff during my 1985 season when I was with um, and That's a different story there. We can talk about that later.
0: <laughs> well, I I had the pleasure of of meeting Harry yeah. at the reunion, yep. and he's quite quite the individual. So is his brother. I mean, you talk about night and day I mean they are not even the same planet you know Mm -hmm. his brother's there in a a sports coat with a I don't even know what kind of like a turtleneck and slacks and Harry's in shorts and his hair's all over and he's in a jacket and he's just talking to everybody on the planet and it's it it was a lot of fun and then I got to have him on the on the show and talk to him Uh, you can get the YouTube version of our conversation on the live setting on our YouTube channel or you can go to the Spotify uh, conversation that we had, but there he's
1: a kick in the ass. He I really was super knowledgeable. Uh, I worked with him as, at one of the races. He, he may not even remember, but he, he told me, I can tell your bike's not making peak power by the way it sounds and he ended up we did some testing well, we did one day of testing but like I said that that's sort of but he that helped episode. you out it helped me out tremendously um, but again I wrote a factory support deal for Suzuki with DG as my primary sponsor um Suzuki was also preparing to do a full-on factory deal which they did for the 1987 year I was in January talks with that yeah Gentry because Honda wasn't doing anything so Gentry Gary Denton and some other guys and myself were in talks to become part of that team uh, in that same time amazingly I was approached by Yamaha to they wanted to debut the Banshee at the 1986 Baja 1000 and Suzuki didn't want to do anything other than the short course races, and, and they offered me a lucrative deal. They got Dean and myself. I think we stayed on for a couple years until they did the same thing. But the Yamaha was just like Honda was. The Yamaha deal, they, especially for that Banshee, we had Stewart tuning, suspension guys, pipe guys, cylinder guys. Um, it was a big effort. They had box vans and stuff. They did a lot of chasing, some of the stuff. Was really a difference from a privateer effort or a support deal. It was like you say, a, a factory effort at Yamaha. Well,
0: because you listen to the guys now that I don't think that the, most of the ATV people even understand what a true factory gig is because. You know, I've got to play with Kawasaki. I've got to play with Yamaha. You know, I've got to play with Honda. But I've never been involved in a factory deal. Mm-hmm. And and um, you have a few people left in the industry that really did mm-hmm. have factory setups with Kawasaki and Suzuki. I don't think
1: Yamaha's deal has ever been truly factory for the 450 platform. I don't think so either. Um, and that's why i say it's... When, at the beginning of the 1988 season, the management of Yamaha told me that said we're going to stop providing support at the end of the year because they were so professional. I mean, the people at Yamaha were, were really professional, hard workers, you know, through all their effort to, to win those races, which we did. Um, that's sometimes what it takes, especially with an unproven machine. You know, they want, right. like everybody, they want to advertise. And I can still see them. I have some pictures of uh, the win ads that Yamaha had. You know, we came to the U.S. the hard way through Mexico. I've right. 1,000. months. And look at how long the Bansy's lasted. You know? They sold those things for a couple to, decades. So if
0: you look online, you can see in in the United States, 2006 was the last year. But there's an 11 model. I've seen a 12. Um, I think a 13, a 14, and a 15 mm-hmm. maybe it's a 14 uh, in other countries yeah. you, you know but I don't I didn't see uh, a 7, 8, 9 uh, maybe I just missed him in the in the uh, photo gallery but you know, they, they were made in other countries and sold because it's the same platform. Mm-hmm. Didn't change. Didn't need to. Uh, no competition. I love I love the mm-hmm. upgrades that we make to the Banshee now. Mm-hmm if you get to ride really what we develop into it now versus what you got to ride oh yeah it's, no it's so night and day different. and
1: I, I talked to you a little bit about I'm touching on something elaborate now. on that for me Um it's like you said people don't understand about development or again the works thing and they're always wanting to compare Banshees to Hondas that they don't handle you know they're only good for a straight line whereas when the factory effort ended in 1988 that was only the second year of the banshee there really wasn't a whole lot of time by then i mean you had an axle maybe some decent shocks but you know it It was was still jr's or yeah or different suspension components there wasn't any time for any of that but again because people don't realize that ultimately down the line with lager and good riders you know like like, uh, I, like I heard, developed a exactly. bunch of stuff for it, and, and I can recall again that there was times that you. you uh, um, Elaborated on that, and they a few times that they actually did race banshees against Honda's banshees won, right? Yeah it was a very good rider, so yeah, they obviously they're never really in the same class, you had an open class and a 250 class. But again, I just see so much stuff on the internet how crappy banshees handle them. it's not true. I mean, they can be made to handle and go pretty fast in the right hands and the right setup because even today, these Wyman, I guess and uh, there's another guy Weenan. Weenan, and uh, his competition for many years is another guy Joel Hetcher. Joel Hetrick, you know, those guys things that they ride aren't stock either I mean, they go through a whole elaborate amount of modifications to get to where they're at
0: I mean you, you really if you think about it the rides they have are are you know Wienan Motorsports is supported by Yamaha and multiple other people yeah. and, and that's what your modern day factory in moto Cross has become. Yeah. You have Joel Hetrick's deal. Uh, you know with his sponsors. Um, you know Yamaha's assisting, but. Right. His main sponsor has a factory motorcycle Yamaha gig, you know, where they do, uh, I believe they do arena cross and they have a 250 Supercross team, I believe. So they have multiple things going on um, in the background behind that ATV program. All of your other guys are on their own. There might be a little bit of Yamaha support here and there there's some parts maybe a deal on a bike but they're not it's not there's no factory stuff.
1: Right. Um, That's the unfortunate part. I mean it's almost like the Banshee Yamaha to their credit continues to build the pretty decent ATV.
0: Right now they're the, they're hit.
1: They're the only thing but to get really ATV racing involvement or expansion. Um, I had said this 23 years ago. Was, uh, in fact, it was Wes Miller, the guy that did those big jump movies, yep. Labos, and those. He, he did some uh, interviews at the event we did. They called it The Legends 2000. He posted a number of uh, interviews that he did with me and Gary Denton and certain guys that they hadn't raced in a long time. Right. And uh, it was the same. I mean, NASCAR is still pretty popular on TV and whatnot and, and the fans. But even a NASCAR racing, if all it you was all Chevys and all Fords only, one brand, you wouldn't have nearly the spectators or you know, influence as you would in racing, you know, so it's just all, it's all the same kind of stuff. Like when you got Chevy and Ford and Dodge and, and you know Toyota in there, that's what makes it competitive and continue to evolve. Where, like we talked earlier before we came on screen, is that the reality is those quads really haven't evolved much since when me we and Mark
0: were racing. I, I, my personal opinion is is that 1985, 86, those two. Interviews on uh, sixty minutes and um, yeah, uh, was it CBS or uh, ABC? I don't know. ABC or twenty twenty, I think it was ABC. Twenty twenty and sixty minutes uh, destroyed the ATC industry, and then destroyed the ATV because we're always considered a negative. Mm even though if you break it down and you look at the numbers per accident that really happen when you don't skew the numbers the injuries on ATVs when they're used properly with the proper gear, when it's not a guy with drinking a beer or, a or an underage child riding it with no gear, the industry, the injury level goes way down. Of course.
1: Yeah. Well, Mark and I were, I'm sure involved. I know I had a couple of depositions. I had to do lawsuits and stuff. Um, to put a little emotional high and low for me, because I used to watch that show 2020. I thought it was kind of a gospel show. And the day that I was, uh, I think it was a Saturday. Yeah, it was a Saturday night. I had just won the Redlands National, Motocross National. You were in Tennessee. And I was in Tennessee, watched, won the race, you know, won the Nationals. Went to bed, went to my room, started watching that show. That's what they played that night. A lot of destroyed... It Ruined you from here, from the you know clouds to the to the basement in, in minutes. Because you knew what was going to happen. I knew that that, that was going to, and I was right. I said, man, three wheel racing like we knew it's it's
0: over. And a lot of it had to do with a senator and his daughter that got hurt on one of these things. No, it wasn't a senator. senator. No. It was- so it oh. was a congressman that uh, got involved in it. And he's passed now, so I don't want to talk ill of him, but he should have shut his mouth. And behind the scenes in the TV station, there was a man whose son was injured on the three-wheeler, riding the three-wheeler on his father-in-law's farm. And the 11-year-old, I believe the boy was 11, injured his arm. Um, might have been a catastrophic injury where the use of the arm was no longer uh, there anymore. There was no helmet involved, to my knowledge. There was no protective gear. The the boy just crashed. It was just a thing. You know, you just crashed. Um, Some of the other people that they interviewed on there, uh, they, behind the scenes, had um, worked the interviews so that they would get the get the excitement out of the or the gore factor out of it uh, but this person behind the scenes that worked at this uh, television station had enough contacts and knew enough people and could push enough buttons that he helped push this over the top then you look at the protect, uh, the, the uh, consumer protection agency these PPSC. these communist assholes excuse my language these guys skewed the numbers drastically in in saying that there were fatalities and giving out all my good stuff here. But uh, I will elaborate on it and get more in depth and I will name some names. Um, but th- th- this whole thing was skewed. Uh, we had a talk show on The Morning Show, which is a live YouTube show that we have Sunday mornings for. Uh, it's put on, it's presented by ATV Talk. Um, you can go back and watch a couple of those early episodes where we really get into it because equestrian has an 85 percentile injury rate so 85 percent of the people that ride equestrian get injured bicycles pretty high too yeah um bicycles are high but there's uh categories Mm -hmm. that you have to consider when you're talking about bicycles um from mountain bikes to recreational uh, uh, what they would call beach cruisers. Yeah, there's just all these different things. They lump them all into one, but when you go in and start breaking it down, certain bicycles are more dangerous than others. Um, head injuries are real prevalent too. Yes, they are. Um, and, And this is the one thing that they didn't take into consideration when they talked about the ATVs. The ATV accidents that happen Happened with alcohol. Okay? Watercraft? Okay, when they started trashing watercraft, they didn't also take into consideration the accidents that when in. were involved with alcohol. Here's the problem. All the lawyers that worked for Honda were sackless weenies because they didn't fight hard enough against the alcohol portion and the improper use portion. They just deemed that it was cheaper to pay. Well, Honda took their advice, did this. So you know who's got the big balls in the industry? Yamaha. Yamaha doesn't pay. Yamaha goes to court. Yamaha is fighting tooth and nail for the UTV industry to keep on its wheels. And there's some behind the scenes stuff that I know about that, that I cannot divulge that, you know what? There's a reason why we should support Yamaha, but we should also keep supporting all of our other manufacturers because there's things going on. They work closer together than you think they do to promote off-roading the industry yes so there is some doing that I want to get off my soapbox thank you guys for getting me all riled up I appreciate well, that we,
1: we lived it like I said I don't know if Mark had any court dates or oh, no I was an expert witness on quite a few yeah. of those yeah. everybody on our bikes Mitchell Wheel Bell Ray any kind yep. of deck decal they went after those guys too just even if they they're involved with the manufacturing three wheel or anything like I said associated with it they went after them. so I think that's when Mitchell ultimately sold his company to Douglas is because he, he was so fed up with how they were dragging him through the dirt. Right. So I'm building a quality wheel. Your kid didn't crash because of my wheel. Right. Well, again, because we were made aware of a lot of the numbers, and I think you're right in, in that regard. Is that Honda didn't want to fight; they just wanted to pay. I mean, there was a number of things we we were presented with the numbers too: the bicycles, the boating accidents, mm-hmm. the skateboards, the things that parents, you know, willing they bought their kids and were getting hurt on, the numbers of those were far above three-wheelers accidents. Yep. But again, you had some crooked people, at these, even at these broadcasting companies that were, like I said, potentially manipulated or pulled through by that congressman. Shh. It didn't really put a black eye on three-wheelers. And like I said, I watched that show that night that I won a national, and I knew that you know, I was right. right. Yeah. It was over. So
0: when you started riding motorcycles whose fault was it when you got hurt or fell off mine because I was the rider mm-hmm. the driver right personal responsibility right mm-hmm. something your parents instilled on you yep. you know don't
1: throw a leg well again getting it. back to the whole thing right that, uh, because of the whole three-wheeler and the way people looked at them a lot of the parents and, and uncles whoever would had those three-wheelers for their kids they didn't use them to go out with them and supervise them they bought them to be babysitters, babysitters. and they let them go, I and mean, you they didn't realize their kids were riding down the street or whatnot and hitting cars, and yep. you know it was really against and They kind of elaborated on that stuff, and maybe some mm-hmm. of the dealers selling a guy his ten year old kid a two fifty R for his two first 3 So there were
0: some there were some things done that they shouldn't have done. Exactly. That's for sure. Yeah, um, and I don't know about. How much you can regulate a guy going in and buying a a, a vehicle that he's buying it for himself and his son? Sure, but I'm
1: saying they put it in a negative light. Yep,
0: yeah. and and I think the biggest culprit. Excuse me. The biggest culprit here is the lawyers for Honda not fighting.
1: Oh yeah, they never did. I mean, marketplace. I remember a story where they came through because Honda made other things, motorcycles, cars, you now know, power powers. equipment. Some guy was drunk, known drunk, and his whole thing. And he, he had a little safety thing on a lawnmower. He got in before it'll start. We got to put a zip tie around that. Fire his lawnmower up. He wants to trim his hedges, so he's bigger guy picks up his running lawnmower and he trips and falls and cuts off one of his arms. He's Suing Honda now, right? And, same and they're paying. And, and Honda settled out of court because they didn't want the you know, potential tarnished their image. But if they,
0: but if they would have fought, oh, of course, yeah, their image got destroyed because they didn't fight.
1: And, and it was, as you well know, I mean, it got to the point where they were buying back three wheelers.
0: So you want to know something really, really, really bad? I don't know that. really really bad okay they're buying back three wheelers today they're still doing it
1: really yep
0: Han nice. is, Yep. Han is buying back three wheelers today from specific things and they'll put them on a truck and they take them to a location um and the driver watches them crush them you know, there's a guard there. There's a, a video deal of it, the whole nine yards, and they just flat. On that s- subject, when we would go to Honda, they have dumpsters with parts, bikes, cars, everything in it. Mm-hmm. When you go by the dumpsters, you don't look in them. You'll be in trouble. <laughs> yeah. You just, just keep on going about your business and ignore it. I mean, and you want to go dig in there because there's all these cherry Good stuff. Yeah, and they're just, you know, they've met their testing requirements for whatever the need is, and now the thing is scrap. What if you hear about them buying back through? Or it? I can't say. Oh, okay. I, I can't say. I just know that I... <laughs> I have that gotten ought, this... to
1: shoot up the value of them even more,
0: yeah. Well, I've got this uh, <laughs> uncanny ability to just get in conversations with the right people about the right things and um, you know it's easy to verify some of the stuff. If you really, really push and and look for it, you can, you can find this information out. Um, I don't really want to deep. I don't want to know. I don't want to see that because I might cry. You know, I might be a little heartbroken. Um, I'm still heartbroken over listening to the stories from the older, the other factory people that I've talked to watching a machine that is still perfectly good. Go to the crusher because of a, Political thing inside the the office of a corporation. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no reason to crush that. Mm-hmm. You know the the you know the motorcycle that Doug Henry, the first one. Yeah, it, it went to the crusher. you talking about the 400. Yeah. Four hundred
1: four stroke. Yeah, it went to the crusher. Yeah. Well, I know some bars got crushed too. <laughs> even,
0: even yeah, but you cars. know what I mean by. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know some of our stuff actually got sold to Honda employees it's supposed to be crushed but if some of the guys were tight with Wes or some of the other guys and they wanted a wheeler from a dinner or whatever you could get one from one of our pre-runners you know, or last year's bike or something they could buy them right. or get them for free or whatever because right. they were supposed to go to the yeah, crush
0: or they'd be on loan you know permanent loan um,
1: yeah you know it's just like um, who got that there was a three-wheeler that um, Dave Wiley got it was one of the pre-production I think I showed you the pictures that I asked you I was at number 98 one of the first pre-production 250Rs mm-hmm. it was like I one of Mike bikes or something and after the couple desert races that they did they wanted someone to develop a better expansion chamber for it so they gave it to Daryl and he did it he used it for a jig or whatever to build his first pipe and he had yep. a jig and then they gave it to him for that he had it all these years and then Jimmy White he talked about it at the union. he Daryl's getting older having a use for it so he told Jimmy hey buddy and Dave Wiley's got this, this huge collection of three wheels right. and stuff Can you talked to Dave what? yeah I freaking had him on the show multiple okay, times so yeah, I
0: just him. sold him uh, I I just brokered a deal for him to get a 89 250R that was in really good shape
1: anyway so he ended up buying this thing from Daryl mm-hmm. and it's got a really bunch of cool Stuff, stuff that on. was developed way early on on an 81 250 order now he has it so they didn't all like by it looks
0: like you've got some uh, water cooled stuff too for the early air cooled stuff too still I do for the uh,
1: eighty-three, eighty-four, 84. right? Of so course. It was a very short time frame before we could get 85s. And, uh, yeah, they, they, a lot of people don't realize that all of the three wheels, even from 81, those engines were designed to be water-cooled. But like I said earlier, they didn't want to really overdevelop the market. So until someone came out with something a little more elaborate, like Kawasaki finally did in 83, now and I'm and we them maybe down a little bit of power. We get these water-cooled systems that were already fully developed. And, you know, it was a bolt-together deal. It's a little pilot bearing for the water pump. That was already in the air-cooled cases. Right. So it's, it's like, like the kind of short-track tank, you yeah. know, turning kits. Mm-hmm. Well, we helped develop that. A little right. Bit. Well, we got
0: all the handmade stuff, yeah. and then the production stuff comes out. Mm-hmm. You know, we tested it. Of course, you keep the handmade stuff because <laughs> it's unattainable. Yeah. Right. Is you see that one? Huh? Do you still have one? No, I don't.
1: I remember having one in mine. On I've got a bike.
0: Baja uh, One Thousand lighting system for yeah, air cooled. It came from. There were three of them. Came from Japan. and These things were. Trick. Yeah. Come with a center case, outer case, and the covers.
1: And big, anyway. Big giant generator inside. We had run those old school CD Oscar headlights. Super Pencil authors. beam and a you know, light what? beam. Front light. And you had to have a lot of juice to, to light them up. Right. And they sent over those pre made ignitions. Like you said, works stuff. Right. Factory effort. What's a factory? That's the kind of stuff that we would
0: And And you never knew about it. It just would show up. They had their own meetings and design people you know and you just you the boss would come in and say here try this out or you'd put it on for the race never even try it sometimes you put it on and you have full plates in it because awesome. it works always works
1: um, do you watch MotoGP at all? No, but I do follow the motocross and supercast. Do you watch MotoGP at all? A little bit. you
0: follow it at all? No. Not GP uh, as far as like... Mark Marquez. Know, Mark Marquez and his brother. Alex. Yeah, Alex. Are, and, and, I, have you followed any of that storyline with what's going on with Mark? No. Well... You he rest, well he, he's right for Honda. Well, he's got a year contract for 24, and he's finishing out the 23 season he hasn't won a race um he's been having a lot of fall since well, yeah, yeah, agree. yeah. Um, since he won 19 and then 20 21 uh 20 21 22 or was it 20 I don't remember. I think he got hurt in 20 and then 21, 22, and now this year, I mean it, it took till after the summer break for him to finish a race.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And his uh the partner hasn't scored a point all year long and is DNF'd all but I think two races. Mm-hmm. And this is Repsol Honda. Well, that's a high dollar record. I mean, they've never not won.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know, like I said I've watched some of the YouTube videos, but it's not like the whole. It's like last couple half dozen laps, or some of the guys are really bad on out. Uh, races.
0: For as much as I'm not a KTM fan, uh, Danny Petrosa retired Repsol Honda racer probably retired because Mark Marquez was the guy and just, just killing everybody goes out and puts a KTM. He's a test rider, retired P4, you know, obviously still in shape, still very talented rider. And I I just, it's so sad. If, if, if Honda screws that up that bad, Honda
1: as a company is, is toast. Well, you know, maybe in, in that, degree, in that I've heard segment that they might but, they might drop out or something. But they're selling something about some kind of they've, they, no they've they openly or something that they've had. It's engine. Is it engine? It's engine and electronics.
0: So one of the things that okay, the, the year that Mark mm-hmm. basically won the manufacturers cup, and won the title by himself because his teammate was horrible. He's race. He's dominating. He won seven races in a row in Texas. Comes to Texas and he falls off. Well, it was an electrical glitch that ultimately caused him to get hurt. And when he broke his arm, it was an electrical glitch. It's got. It goes through the turn and and, it, and when it does that, throws him on the ground.
1: I can see why maybe he doesn't trust the equipment.
0: Well, that and they're never fixing it. Mm -hmm. And Takati has their guy at the track. They sit down and have their meeting after the race. Mm -hmm. And they go right to the fix.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. The KTM guys are doing the same thing. The Japanese manufacturers are having their brief, the next day they're calling it in to Japan, then that guy has to go to another meeting the next day or the next day, and then they have to get it approved to make adjustments. So then two or three weeks they'll go down the road before they get a new upgrade. Well, they didn't get to test it. They didn't get to look at it. They didn't know anything about it. Mm -hmm. And Takati had an upgrade by the following Friday.
1: Yeah, like I said, I don't
0: really follow him. I, I, well, I, am, I enjoy Mark Marquez or MotoGP because, you know, A, being a Honda fan, when your guy is that dominant and that good, look at Valentino Rossi. He's won on Ducati, he won on Yamaha, he won on Honda. And mm-hmm. then came back and won on Yamaha again or something like that. Uh, no, he rode. Uh, did he come back? Yeah, I did. I he did he come finished back. on you, I believe. Yeah, he finished on Yamaha, but went back to Ducati because he has a Ducati team now, and yeah, his the, privateer Ducati team is damn fast. Hmm. One of his guys just won the last race. Like Kenny Roberts came out with a team for a while there too, his son and whatever. Hmm. Uh, Kenny Roberts uh, bike too, wasn't it? He tried he tra- it, KR or whatever. He tried to develop um, an engine. And come up with his own bike, and it was the talk for quite a while, but it, it never, 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 never panned out. Was, no. mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if they went too elaborate. Like, look at the Cannondale, mm-hmm. look at the guys. Like, I ruined that whole Cannondale bicycle company, ruined it by trying to reinvent the wheel.
1: Mm-hmm. It was like a lot of things, though. I mean, Dead deal was, in a lot of ways, was ahead of its time. You know, you had fuel injection, nobody had fuel injection, it was on the leading edge with a four-stroke. Did you hear the motor, though? No. It sounded like it was eating itself. It might have. What I'm just saying is that when you look back on times, yeah, the thing failed miserably. I think Kenny Roberts' thing probably had a lot of good ideas, but probably didn't have the financial, like, a Yamaha or a, Honda to, to develop it enough. Right. You know? So like why I see Cannonbale spend probably three or four times more money trying to develop that bike than they initially you know, set aside.
0: Supposedly they went from a fifty million dollar deal to to bankrupt.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That electric start—I mean, all the things that you take for granted on dirt bikes now—this guy was incorporating back then. So yeah, it was a miserable failure, but the guy did have some good ideas about aluminum frame.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I—the guys that rode the Canada Quad said that it was pretty awesome.
1: I was talking about the bike.
0: Well, I know, but the quad was kind of revolutionary to a point too, because it was aluminum frame. Mm -hmm. You know, Kawasaki came out with an aluminum frame. Yamaha ultimately has a steel aluminum frame, which we all scoffed in the beginning. And now it's KTI never no but uh, I can't I can't go there man. I mean as as much as I'm not an orange fan they are doing what it takes to develop things other than they've openly said they're not a they're a motorcycle company that's it
1: well, look at what they've done, too. They've been able to buy up the Husqvarna name, the Gas Gas name, and those bikes are almost pretty much interchangeable parts. They are. One's red, one's orange, and one's white. Yep. They look a little different, but... It's good it, bikes. You know, it goes
0: uh, price value. Gas Gas is the cheapest, right. then your Husky, then your KTM.
1: You know. And they kind of put their riders in that order, too. They went their eat riders riding the KTM, you know. Which is
0: backed by the Red Bull, so pretty much, I think. I think Red Bull, well, because Red Bull backs uh, Jet... Lawrence, right now. I think
1: he's got uh, Roxanne still, too.
0: Yeah, they still are, and he's on a Suzuki. But he's a European guy and they love the, the Europeans. Mm-hmm. Know, yeah. That's really their bigger markets, I think, for Red Bull. Mm-hmm. I'm saying sure California, the uh, United States is pretty huge for Red Bull.
1: And, you know, getting back to that, that's, you know, Honda's still, again, other than like the other manufacturers, nobody's, opening the manufacturers are having a full on fact. The team Yamaha kind of pulled back and that's Star, Yamaha took yep. yeah Suzuki don't have nothing. That's the ATP and Twisted Lemon or Lemonade or whatever it is. Progressive insurance. Yeah, and Kawasaki is what they have, I guess they have a the
0: factory like too, but aren't they Monster? They're Monster, and yeah. uh, doesn't Pro Circuit run the
1: whole factory deal? Circuit does the 250s okay that's a support again honda's the only one has got a factory 250.
0: that's an hrc yeah. freaking deal
1: in-house, in-house yeah. yeah yeah and look what it did look what happened they put it all in-house again they kicked ass right i think it ultimately really comes down to two cubic dollars again you know. get the right riders get it you know things in line it's things going in cycles sure. anyway so but again, I think, like I mentioned before about ATVs, you got one manufacturer. Now that Honda has stepped up the game and dominated everything, are the other guys going to have to step up to, to stay with them, or are they going to kind of stay back in the shadow?
0: I don't know if you're going to get a new ATV manufacturer. I don't think no, that I'm cows suck. Are... I was mainly saying motorcycles. Well, motorcycles, Suzuki's done.
1: I don't think they're, I don't think, I mean, I, I'd like to say I'm wrong, but I think the whole side-by-side market's really kind of put ATV that
0: But if you really want to get into this side by side thing, they're going to implode on themselves. Yeah,
1: I, I agree. I, I can already see. And
0: talking to people, look at what they look what they're doing to the, aid to the trails. They're mm-hmm. destroying them. So you're not going to go out there and ride your, your your 50 inch wide ATV, which was too wide, you know, what six seven years ago, is now perfectly adequate for any trail that you want to go ride it because the UTVs have destroyed them. One of the problems that you have with going and riding a sport quad on some of those trails is the UTVs have dug ruts in there because they went from a, you know, reasonable size tire to now they're running 32s, 35s and they're, and they have no etiquette, no schooling and no idea how to be an off-roader. They're just some dude that could afford the payment, throws his wife and kids in the car and drives off into the trails or the desert or whatever it is.
1: What I see about the UTVs though is they've evolved now, you know, they're 40, 50, 60 grand. (laughs) They're more than that if you're going into a, okay some of your say, race cars. Where, you know, 10 years ago, they were affordable. Yeah. But the manufacturers, to again, to stay one step up on the other guy, they're all super long travel now. They're getting full size. Yeah. You know, it's just, almost like a class one new one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Except factory made. Yeah. And you can, like you said, anybody
0: can go buy one. But you're, but you can't take a factory KT or Can-Am, factory Honda, factory Polaris off the showroom floor and go race it and be competitive. Can't even come close to it. It's
1: like an ATV. You got to throw a bunch more money at it.
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, you got well, you know, Wayne Matlock has a whole full-on shop that mm-hmm. dedicates... Modifying those Polarises into race cars, and probably spends an astronomical amount of money to make them race cars to go out and compete. Does he still race, money? Yeah, does he drive? His wife and him still race. Mm-hmm. He was hooked up in Honda, wasn't he? Uh, at one time for he a was short with time. Can Am? Uh, no, he's with Polaris. Right. Okay.
1: Yeah. Again, I think that uh, to me, I see as some some parallel things with how ATV racing was and how fast it evolved to the way the side-by-sides thing did too.
0: Yeah, I just think they're going to eat themselves uh, because the Consumer Protection Agency is going to get involved
1: CPSC and, and destroy them. They might. I don't know. I think obviously you're in a cage and you're all strapped in or should be. But I do know one thing about um, something like you said with Yamaha because they kind of introduced those and my brother was involved with some of those early Is they at one point California said you can't have any more of these golf carts that got two-stroke motors on them. So oh, yeah. you got to go electric or whatever. So you had all these old Yamaha-powered golf carts that people were buying up and... You know, putting long travel suspension and my brother was building a bunch of motors up for him and they're taking him out to the dudes. But one of the Yamaha reps was out there when I saw that and said, hmm, look at these things. This is what's happening to all these old uh, you know, golf carts. That's us make one that people could just buy instead of having to take these old things. There's your rhino. There's the rhino. And it wasn't long. He said they developed those rhinos. They were sending Sam to every race. They had a televised race courses and and, and uh, promotion within a matter of a couple of years, right? And then, like you said, then you'd have the people taking out their dunes, drinking them, and rolling over kids, them, catching their arms, and yep. then they had lawsuits the same thing. And then the lawsuits put the point where because Yamaha had that uh YXZ, I think they still do, on but they had it on hold for a long time so until lawsuits yep. keeping them out of this show.
0: I believe that, um. The Yamaha was done four years before it released, be, yeah. and they said it was in the truck on the way to the show,
1: and they turned the truck around yeah, multiple times, like right there, because they they couldn't the legal, it, right? yep, legal things until the last legal issue was solved, they couldn't and and it's it. and, and by then the other guys had caught up or surpassed what they were you know putting on them,
0: and I like that Yamaha card. I mean, I don't know if I like the first version yamaha car because it's a driver's car because you're shifting it yeah other than you're driving it with one hand and shifting you know with the other that makes it a little uh but you got to be on you got to drive you know um, they weren't so big either no
1: and they, things now I mean if you go to a motor world or something it's like you're going to a car dealership you don't even see any bikes freaking side by side so, yeah. yes you, know, you wouldn't even know they sold motorcycles there <laughs>
0: right and, and when you get inside there's just UTVs
1: inside mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. and almost zero ATVs well the, just what I'm saying is the, the parallel that I see is that when me and Mark were doing it and everybody had to it was, they were selling them faster than they could make them Right. So in that regard, I but I do think there has been since COVID's been over, the people I talked to is that ATV sales have plummeted,
0: and kid children's ATV sales or the desire for youth ATVs is skyrocketing.
1: I don't doubt. And I would also say this, and like you said about buying them back, unfortunately that's the case. But the people I know. And people that I talked to, if Honda or Yamaha or something would actually come out with a three-wheeler, they'd buy it. It would sell. It would sell like crazy. Yep. People People would buy the shit out of it. They would. I know they would. Mm -hmm. I would.
0: (laughs) I probably wouldn't buy one, but I'd be working on it. Actually, it was a nice ride. It was. I mean, it was a great ride. So you think about the modern-day technology they have, what they could do to the rear suspension and the front suspension of the thing. And if you've ridden one of the four-strokes that they have now. Dude, it's so bitch. You just flip the throttle and just... And uncontrollable. So where the two-stroke was... You know, and you're a little violent. The four-stroke is just so... just much better controllable traction didn't tip and it didn't tip because of the way they had it. I think it was wider than 50 inches, but I can't, I didn't get a tape measure out and start measuring it. There will be a day when we go and, uh, do a show like that in the, in, in the environment. And we do more than one of those aftermarket machines. But as of today, I haven't done it yet. I like the, Four-stroke power. As we get older, mm-hmm. you know.
1: Well, I I will give credit. I know you don't care for KTM, but that one company has continued to develop two-strokes. The three hundred, like, right? Yeah you feel a rode one of those, but I hear those are awesome. Power delivery, right now. <laughs> yeah, fuel injection on those. Anything you do a four-stroke, you could
0: do it a two-stroke. Well, it's a wow. different kind of injection. Yeah. It has an oil injection for lubrication and a fuel injection for fuel. for power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's. Um, well,
1: just saying I don't power understand. Power delivery and a lot of. that three hundred motor is just supposedly developed. phenomenal. So I mean, that's. Uh, I've always been a, kind of a two-stroke guy, but Mike
0: Walsh built a cross-country version of that KTM three hundred yeah. fuel-injected version and I haven't got the reviews back from the uh, owner. I can't wait. Um, there's also a 300 uh, BVC three-wheeler conversion mm-hmm. um, that I want to... Uh, I have the gentleman that owns its name and phone number and I want to get him in an area where I can ride that thing. know, just to, just to try it out. And another buddy of mine owns both in the motorcycle version that I want to go... And, and
1: test. And getting back to the four-stroke, I mean, the other good thing about four-strokes is how much better mileage they get. You know, for desert racing and stuff, it's total mm-hmm. positive right there.
0: It's a little easier to ride. You know? Sure. It's smoother, a little more mellow than the yeah. two-stroke buzz all the time. Look at the age of the riders today versus the age of the riders in the two-stroke era. Mm-hmm. I know that we've had suspension upgrades and things like that, but you're also talking development in the ability to have a more roll-on style throttle. Yeah, to the two-stroke you just, you got to run them hard, you know. Right. Like the early 125s, you, you sure. to, even they go faster than the 450s and the 250s sometimes, but you got to know how to ride them too. Right. right.
1: The funny thing that I noticed when I've gone to some of these reunion races and stuff, and it just goes back to time because there was a time even before three-wheelers. And, you know, we all grew up riding racing motorcycles that all had twist throttles. So one of the first things we would do just because the thumb throttle is... Horrible. I had to lose oh, oh, all, these, all these current guys. All right. They be and You're gun gun all, right. They thumb all throttles. used thumb throttles because that's all they ever knew. They bills. never had motorcycles. They started mm-hmm. young and they came with on throttles, so they just stepped up mm-hmm. because that's what they're used to. Well, we had to toss that thumb
0: I still have to toss that I thumb throttle. I can't believe that these guys can ride with a thumb right.
1: I think there's more benefit... And I told Dave Hamm that too. In fact, check this out. They wanted me, they still do, and I uh, I appreciate them them offering me to to join up with some of these these rides. But, um, Dave Wiley told me that he's the same way. He cannot ride with a pump throttle and somebody made an apparatus so that their last uh, desert-winning three-wheeler has both.
0: Right. Amazing. So there's yeah. multiple different versions of that. Yeah. Uh, there's one that's made here in the States. Uh, not quite as good. The one that I used with the uh, Simmons boys was made in Germany mm-hmm. and it, that one was, we never had any issues that's with it. It's probably a quarters. pretty neat little uh, apparatus I'd like to see oh they're really the if they work right they're really bitching
1: yeah you know that's why I told them I can't race with you guys because I have to have a long throw, the throw. they make a combination yeah we got that covered
0: <laughs> Mark I want to thank you so much for coming and sitting down with us I really appreciate it man you're always welcome um to come and talk uh, Three wheelers, four wheelers, great Thank old you. trucks, whatever it is, you know. Really appreciate, really appreciate the time. Get an old airplane over here one day. And uh, you know what? I'm not into flying. Okay, you can go ahead and do that. <laughs> you I'm going to keep it. myself on the ground, right? You had a question to ask him. So uh, my dad's got uh, a deal with the um, truck club, mm-hmm. the car club, or, or the model airplane. Yeah, the model a Club, They're coming to the. They're coming to the museum. Oh, yeah? He wanted to know he could bring us to home. Yeah. She's this big. Yeah. Which museum? Uh, I think it's the one the missile. Oklahoma. Oh, okay. Well, let's be fielding. Yeah, on the 30th, I believe it is. Or the... It's the... 14th of October,
1: I think it is. Yeah. I'm going to have to look him up and talk to him about it, see what he's got going on. Yeah, Mark, maybe you be ended up giving the tour or something. Yeah. yeah. I'd be
0: happy to, you know, show him. Yeah, they the, Model A Club has a date already booked with them, I guess. I'm oh, yeah. Yeah. I haven't been to a Model A Club meeting yet, but uh um, look into that. Yeah. Sounds fun. There's a lot of guys in there that have a lot of cool stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you got a model A, hit me up. I can hook you up with people. Great. You know, Mark works on them. So does other people. Drop <laughs> 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 them. Mike. Mm-hmm. It's always oh, a good
1: Always
0: a pleasure, always a pleasure huh? brother. Always a pleasure. I really appreciate you guys coming by. Um if you anybody wants to know anything about the old days. Uh, hit us up. We can get you in touch with Mike, who can get us in touch with Mark, and uh, we can have another show. We can answer questions. So thank you so much. History is everything. If you don't know the history, you really don't know what it's all about. And uh, these are two of the pioneers that got us where we are. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience. Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs. And Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs visit our website www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment 619-987-8875 if you're in need of a consultation for your current racing program a custom atv or an industry guest speaker i have the company for you duncan technologies international inc offers Host MC and guest speaking services at events. Builds custom ATVs for recreational riding or racing around the world. And they offer consulting services for professional teams or individual racers. Send inquiries to Dunkin' Tech International at gmail.com or call 619 716 1532 for more information. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, don't forget to share us with your family and friends. The podcast is available on all streaming platforms, and you can find us on social media as ATV Talk Podcast. We're on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, Rumble, and Twitter.